welcome to the Niche Enrollment Insights Podcast. This episode is a special one to me. It's one of the sessions from our Higher Ed Insights Summit 2023. If you'd rather watch the session than listen, go ahead and find all those on the Enrollment Insights blog at niche.bz insights. And under the Enrollment Insights blog in the menu, choose Higher Ed Insights Summit. Enjoy. Um, again, I'm Joni, Joni Morad on the marketing he- team here at Niche. And I'll be moderating the session. So you'll be hearing from Will and Ryan. Thank you. Morning, everyone. Really excited to be here today and kind of share some of the data. My name is Ryan Bell. Uh, I'm the principal strategist here at Niche on the kind of the product and data side of things. Uh, I've been at Niche for just over nine years. I crossed my nine-year anniversary uh, earlier this month. It's been a really exciting, great ride. Um, prior to Niche, uh, I actually was a high school math teacher uh, and I kind of have a quantitative background. So really found my niche to use the over, overly used cliche here uh, in looking at education data and uh, thinking about kind of um, how to make education more accessible. That's something that I'm passionate about and be able to use data to, to learn as much and kind of inform as much uh, about that as possible. So excited to kind of share some of the insights that we have today and I'll, I'll pass it over to Will to kind of do his intro as well. Yeah, thank you, Ryan. Uh, one other fun thing, Ryan and I are, are both have our college background in chemistry. So there's there's more similarities than just the classes. <laughs> Uh, I'm Will Patch, Senior Enrollment Insights Leader for Higher Ed here at Niche. Uh, you may have seen my name on things before. Uh, I get to run all the Enrollment Insights side of the house for higher ed. So our surveys, data dives, uh, basically if there's information that we have that I can make usable uh, for people in your seats, great. I love diving into that. I love the huge data sets. I've been here for just over four years now. Uh, at Niche, before that, I spent nine years at Manchester University, starting out in recruitment, uh, working my way into operations and data side of the house, uh, and then ultimately into digital strategy. So doing all the website uh, optimization and, and user testing, things like that, dashboarding, working institutional research, all the all the fun things there. Uh, and then before that, I was also a teacher. So uh, we'll get started off here. I'll hand it over to, to Ryan because I know not everyone might know how students are using Niche and where this data is coming from. Yeah, so I, we wanted to give like a quick overview of kind of of Niche through the lens of the students and kind of the typical journey that we our users go through kind of on our platform. So I think the first thing that uh, we really want to highlight is our users or our students choose to use Niche. They're finding us in a lot of different ways. And I think that's a, a very unique and competitive advantage for us. Uh, probably notice that we do very well from an organic search standpoint, about 60% of all of our users find niche through uh, channels like Google and very high level search terms like best colleges in Pennsylvania or colleges with engineering, uh, things like that is where we generate a lot of our our traffic and user acquisition. We also know that uh, paying for college is one of the, the hardest and kind of most important decisions and trying to navigate that. So we also offer scholarships and scholarship search tool on our platform that we're able to meet users kind of in that stage of the search process and help them find opportunities for scholarship. Uh, I believe in 2022, I think we gave out over $300,000 in scholarships. So it's, it's a something that we believe in and invest in to, in terms of helping our students. And then lastly, uh, our marketing team really, really stays on top of the, the key digital trends and kind of where the, the youths these days are spending their time. Uh, TikTok is obviously one of the the big channels, but also Discord and, and other channels like that are we're trying to make sure that we're playing in the same spaces as our as our students and users, understanding kind of their needs and being able to meet them where they are. That's a, a common thread 
uh, that we really think about a lot at here at Niche is like we want to meet our students and families where they are in their search process. So we find the, these students through these different channels and they they tend to land uh, and kind of start their search in two main areas. On the left here, you can see our uh, college search tool. This is a tool where students can discover uh, colleges based on a lot of different criteria. We know location is a, 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 is a main one. I think most students only go to college within 50 miles uh, of where they where they live. So location is a primary driver, but there are lots of other factors as well. And we allow students to filter on many different criteria as well as sort the list uh, on different uh, sorts as well. So it's not just best, it could be best for student athletes or best storms or food. It's a really great way for students to kind of discover new colleges based on their criteria, uh, as well as we have profiles for every single uh, two and four year college in the United States. Uh, this is where they can really dive into uh, more detailed information about every single college with our report cards, our reviews, comparable statistics. Uh, this allows uh, um, students and families to understand a little bit more and really get to know what the college is really like. Uh, we're not just the admission statistics, we're really trying to capture with the whole picture for the college. And uh, we, we feel like we do a really good job at that with an authentic voice from our from data, as well as user generated content from students who have used the platform previously in their search. So as we go to the next slide, this is where students really dig into their research uh, and kind of use Niche as a tool to kind of navigate, continue to navigate their search process. They can create a full profile with 27, or I think it's up to 37 data points now, uh, where they're able to put in their education history, um, their test scores if they choose to do so, demographics. Uh, we know from our own data that our users tend to be more diverse than the typical college-bound student because they're sharing that information. So they create their profile and then they also get a full dashboard uh, with lots of different tips and tricks and things to be able to help them uh, organize and step their way through the, the college search process. You see highlighted here direct admissions, but we also have scholarships, comparing colleges, uh, ways to organize their list about the colleges that they're considering. So they get a full personalized experience uh, where they can continue to use niche throughout their journey uh, and keep things organized. So. This is all really to say that we get a lot of data uh, from our users, both in terms of the explicit data that they're giving us in terms of the their demographics and their education history and things like that, as well as behavioral data too, that we're able to use and kind of share, uh, derive a lot of these great insights that we're gonna talk about today. So just a high level thinking about niche data for the class of 23, uh, we had 1.1 million student profiles created uh, they raised their hand, they've added schools to their list 6.2 million times. That's the, the direct signal that's, hey, I'm interested in this college, which means that on average, our students are adding six colleges to their list, considering six. They're also considering at least two majors. Uh, and then when they're on these profiles that I shared earlier, they can navigate directly to your website. So we saw 2 million outbound clicks in the last calendar year, and 250,000 of those came directly from students. Uh, students clicking on an application uh, URL. And then on the other side of it, this is all of our partners that we work with. Uh, we know that we've had 70 million profile views uh, in the last calendar year for about 3,000 four-year colleges. And right now we're working with over 800 four-year college partners. So we're able to kind of get a lot of data and understand things on both sides of the market, which has been really helpful uh, and a lot of the data that we wanna kind of walk through today. I'm gonna hand things over to Will to talk about some of the survey data. Yeah. And what's great is that we have all this aggregated data of what students are actually doing, but then we run a lot of surveys through the year. We want to understand 
what students are experiencing, what are they feeling. We have to have that qualitative and the quantitative with all those. Uh, so today, I'm going to pull resources from three different surveys, looking at where the trends headed, what does the class of 2024 say when we surveyed them back in the spring, uh, and then where what does that mean? How does that help you take your message to them, recruit them, connect with them, build relationships with them? Uh, so the three sources there, we our third annual spring survey of juniors, that came out back in the spring. Uh, we did uh, was a, a short survey, we called them Insta Insights, uh, looking at the effectiveness of recruiting travel and campus visits. That's a big topic. I know a lot of counselors are getting ready to hit the road if they haven't already. Uh, but then coming out very soon here, the eighth annual niche senior enrollment survey. And what's great there is over eight years, you have a lot of data in terms of what's happening for trends. We saw what happened during the pandemic. We see how is is rebounding in a lot of ways. Uh, in fact, the data is reflecting back towards what it looked like before. Uh, so that's that's our first thing we're going to talk about is what are those reflections? Are we reflecting back to that behavior? Ryan, what are we seeing on the platform? Yeah, so we're, we're going to start with some things maybe that you're seeing and feeling or have heard kind of in your and uh, like the various uh, outlets that you're reading from. So like we are coming out of this pandemic. There was it was a dark time for for a couple of years, but starting to see some things rebound. Um, we one one thing that we've seen and read a lot about is a lot of signals coming out of the Common App. So. Uh, for this year, we're seeing a, a pretty significant increase in first-year applicants. That's up 24%. But we're also seeing an increase in total application volume, up 36%, according to the Common App. So that means with an average of 4.3 applications per, per student. So students are, we have more students considering uh, applying through the Common App, and they're considering more colleges. Is kind of the signal that a little bit of a rebound coming out of the, pan, uh, the pandemic. And... I'm just going to plug a, a tool, a free tool, Google Trends. Uh, that's where I generated the data on the chart below. It is a great tool to understand, like, the popularity of search terms over time. So what this chart is, it's the relative popularity for the search term college application. So this actually goes back five years worth of data. And you can kind of see on the two spikes on the left, a clear seasonal pattern where we see an increase in uh, the search term, the popularity of the search term college application through fall of senior, fall of the year, usually the seniors looking at it, and then it kind of trails off through the spring. And that was two clear peaks for 2019 and then going into uh, 2018 and 2019. And then the peaks disappear. And that's, you can clearly see that we had something happen. Everyone remembers COVID. Um, so we can see very like two kind of down years uh, but what we're really trying to talk about now is the reflection, what's coming back, what is starting to look normal. And we're able to see in Google Trends kind of a rebound in the search term, uh, the popularity of the search term college applications. And that follows the general trend of what we're hearing from the Common App. So if you go to the next slide, we're seeing the same things on our platform as well. So we, we wanted to highlight the, the volume of students that create accounts and use Niche as part of the search process. It's, I said 1.1 million for the class of 23. That's about half of all college bound students are creating an account on our platform. So we're able to see a lot of the same patterns of what you might be hearing about in the market. And we're also able to dive a lot deeper and also look forward because we have juniors and younger creating accounts as well. 
Um, so what this is, is looking at the number of users creating accounts and adding colleges to their list for the last six graduating years, including looking forward for the class of 2024. So this is all through their junior year. So what this means is this is the number of accounts created through what would have been their junior year, June uh, of their kind of the, the year before they uh, graduate. So the class of 23 uh, was up 20% compared to the pre-pandemic class of 19. The class of 24 is up 32%. So we're seeing a lot more uh, students choosing to use niche and using it earlier in their search process. Additionally, the class of 24, the add to list are up 31% compared to pre-pandemic and up 7% compared to the class of 22. So seeing a lot of an increase, both in terms of the volume, as well as even in recent years, it's accelerating. And I think something that's also really powerful is the, the power users, the students that are considering lots of colleges, we're saying 10 or more, that's up 14% compared to the class of 19 and 22% compared to the class of 22. So students are considering more colleges and considering them earlier in the process. So a little bit of rebounding, but also kind of some forward, link, forward uh, looking in terms of some of these changes that we're seeing as well. Yeah, and when we talk about this return, we're seeing a bounce back in campus visits as well. I know that everyone wants to get students on campus. I've not found a campus that said, oh, we just really struggle when we get camp students on campus, right? Everyone wants them to see campus, meet people, and really experience it. Well, pre-pandemic, we had a lot of students taking a lot of visits. Only 6% of students said that they didn't visit any campuses prior to enrolling, and this is survey done in, in May. So orientations haven't haven't come around yet, but there's students making decisions. We saw that tick up during the pandemic and we're seeing that reflect back down now. Um, big dip there in the number of students not visiting. And we're seeing a rebound. There's still fewer students taking a lot of visits, but at least we're getting back to what's normal. I think what we have to think about still is what does that visit indicate, right? What is it actually telling you? Does it mean that students who get on campus are more likely to enroll or is it flipped? Are the students who are most likely to come visit you the ones who are most invested already and the most likely to enroll? I think we have to really kind of keep that in mind because a lot of people will say, well, it's a, a leading indicator. But I, I want to keep in mind that it may be flipped backwards, that a student who isn't likely to enroll, well, why would they visit? Right. And so some interesting things coming out of this, uh, this Insta Insights we did looking at what students want to do when they actually visit a campus you know, what was really interesting, what stands out to me is that the preferences for the things that they're most interested in are things that don't really require a campus visit. And the things they're they're least interested in are the things that do require a campus visit. They're most interested in seeing academic buildings, talking to current students, seeing residence halls, asking questions and engaging. Things they're less interested in, having those one-on-one -on -one meetings, eating on campus, sitting in on a class. You know, those are the things that you can't really eat in the, in, in the cafeteria if you're not on campus, but that's not really a priority to students either. And only 16% want to have that one-on-one face-to-face -on -one meeting. So instead, I mean, we, we look at these things, photos, video, augmented reality, virtual reality, all those things can highlight these other features. They can see and experience the residence halls through their phone, through their laptop. That doesn't require a campus visit. So I think we need to think about that. How are we getting the same information to students without really requiring them to get on campus? 
I think throughout our Comflows, if you're if you're really weaving this rich content throughout and photos and videos, testimonials, experiences, there doesn't have to be a, well, we're going to send a postcard all about our residence halls. We're going to send an email all about academic buildings. But if you tie it into everything, you're weaving that story. They're seeing the experiences and what they would experience throughout the whole process. It's a much better way of getting in front of them and getting what matters to them without waiting for them to come to campus. But we didn't just see these reflections. We saw some refractions and some deviations in the data as well. So going back to, to my favorite tool, Google Trends, uh, and I highly recommend you playing around with it later when you have some time. We looked at two other search terms that have been uh, trending somewhat differently compared to pre-pandemic. Uh, the first one is the SAT. There's been a lot of changes in the last few years around the SAT. You can see it's been on the decline. We also see that in the data as well with, well, in 2022, SAT takers were up uh, to 1.7 million compared to the year before. It's still down dramatically compared to uh, pre-pandemic. So there's less test takers. There's less search volume for the SAT. Uh, to be honest, makes a lot of sense given the dramatic rise in test optional. Um, it's it was on the rise before a lot of uh, some colleges starting to adopt it, adopt it, and it's really accelerated and it seems to be sticking around. The number of test optional colleges is up 150 percent compared to pre-pandemic, and I only know of a few that have kind of went test optional and gone back. Most seem to be adopting it and sticking with it, and that's also uh, clear in the the Google trend data as well, where that continues to accelerate as a popular search term over time. Um, if you go to the next slide, we see the same thing on our platform. Again, our data is a great way to reflect what's happening within uh, the overall market, and we can dive deeper into it. This is looking at the percent of students by graduating year that are submitting SAT scores. So for the class of 2018 and 2019, the pre-pandemic classes, it was over 90%. And this has fallen off steadily and is leveling out right around 50% right now for the class of 23. So this has dropped 43% pre-pandemic compared to, to now. So for the class of 23, only one in two uh, submitted test scores on niche, either the SAT or the ACT. And we can also look at this kind of going forward as well. Um, it's not perfect because it, the, the class of 24 may not have taken the test or have scores to be able to submit yet. But as it stands right now, only one in five in the class of 24 are submitting test scores. And we expect, given the trend, both in terms of what we were seeing in test takers, as well as the continued rise and kind of steadiness of test optional, it's not going to get above 50% uh, for, for this year. And I would anticipate it actually being lower. Mm -hmm. And I think part of that, though, the, the darker side of this and why we need better messaging, better communication of these policies is that students from our survey say that they don't understand or don't trust the test optional or test blind policies. When we looked at the class of 2023, 22% said that they believe that if they submitted scores when they were told they didn't have to, it gave them an advantage. I, I don't fully understand that. If someone says, hey, you don't need to do this, it's not going to help you. And still 22% say, well, I, I think it will. And then 41% said that even if a college says they don't, need or want test scores, that secretly they still want them. And that, to me, is a bigger messaging issue. The students just don't believe it. If they're told you don't need to do this, I mean, 
we had a lot of students saying they were still told by their school counselor, by their parents, by their friends, oh, that school secretly still wants it. You know, you still need to do it. So you have to get in front of that. You know, if you're test optional, if you're test blind, get in front of it. Tell students if you are optional, when it helps them and when it doesn't. If you're blind, be very upfront saying, hey, we're not going to look at it even if you do send it. So uh, another trend that or kind of refraction deviation that we're seeing in um, in our data, and this is based on niche users, is a rise in grades. And you, there's been a lot of talk around grade inflation. You may be experiencing this in terms when you're trying to go through your screeners and evaluate uh, uh, applicants coming in. But there's been a fairly significant rise uh, over the last few years in in average GPAs. So this chart is looking at the median high school GPA by graduation year. It has gone up from 3.6 to 3.8 within the uh, from 2018 all the way to 2026, and that's a pretty material rise, especially when you're getting a tighter uh, standard deviation. So the the bands are also getting smaller as well. We also know the proportion of A students, where we consider an A student a 3.7 or above, is up 28 percent. So we have GPAs going up and a lot more students in the the highest GPA buckets. This is going to be a, this is a major challenge just in terms of when we what we just talked about. We don't have test scores anymore as a way to evaluate because they're either optional or students aren't submitting them, even with all the confusion around it. And we have a steady rise of uh, GPAs coming out of the pandemic, which creates additional uh, confusion for all of you to, to deal with when you're evaluating applicants. And I think another uh, trend that we're seeing, and I, I alluded to this earlier when I, we were looking at the um, the ads to list for uh, the classes, is students are just considering school more schools, and they're considering them a lot earlier in the process. So this is a chart looking at uh, by month the the average ad to list per student. The class of twenty four is already pacing ahead of the class of twenty three by seven percent. But we can look ahead. We can look at the class of 25 and the class of 26 and be able to compare to what previous classes were at that same time. 25 and 26 are both 15% ahead of the class of 23. So we're seeing students considering more schools and considering them earlier in the process, uh, which is a big shift. And I think the next the next uh, charts that we're going to go through really exempl or really clarify where these shifts are happening. So. It's casting that wide net, bit. right? They're ca they're looking at more and more places. They don't know what's option. They're casting it wider and they're looking at it earlier. So mm -hmm. I'm a, a bit of a data nerd. This might be a lot of the charts, but uh, I want to walk it through. So this is looking at basically when students are adding to list over time. So it's just the, a proportion of when these happen over the entire course of their high school career, from freshman all the way to what would be June after when they graduate. It makes sense when we're looking at this for the class of 2018 that the biggest spikes are in September, October, November, the, the typical college search process. If, you, if we uh, go back and think about those Google trends that we looked at, that's when we were seeing the same spikes for uh, the college application search term. It makes sense. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna click through and add the classes of 2019, similar pattern, 2020, which would be the first class that was impacted by the pandemic, but it would only be the last few months of their senior year. And now we're gonna start looking at class of 21. We're seeing not as big of a seasonal spike and kind of this shift a little bit left. 
early in the process, a kind of a widening or flattening of this curve. We click to 22, the same pattern, it's wider. So we're seeing not as big of a seasonal spike, more happening earlier in the process and considering more schools like we just talked about. And then we can look at the class of 23, this year's seniors, where it's a lot more happening earlier, a little bit of a return of the same seasonal spikes that we uh, saw previously, which makes sense, reflecting the same uh, patterns that we're seeing from Google Trends, but much more happening early in the process. And we're also seeing less engagement later in the process as well. So it's this, when students are looking and giving signals for colleges have dramatically changed coming out of the pandemic. And we have to be able to understand what these patterns look like and how we can use them to be more effective in our outreach and communications uh, to students in the, uh, the enrollment cycle. So just, this is just one last one, I, I guess I forgot I was here. It's just zooming in on junior and senior year to really clarify the big changes in these seasonal spikes. Um, and this is something that we're gonna continue to monitor moving forward. Uh, we can start looking at it for future classes. We can understand how it continues to change, but we're very confident in the data showing the, in, showing and kind of uh, showing these refractions and deviations of what we were previously seeing pre-pandemic. Yeah, but it's not just this timeline that's been shifting. We're seeing a shift too in who they're searching with. So who are their supporters? And then who are their influencers? Who are the ones actually influencing their decision-making process? And what we heard from students, class of 2023 here, uh, and we'll know very soon here, class of 2024 as well, there's more parent involvement, but unfortunately less school counselor involvement. So we had 61% of students who said their parents were helping them in the process, which has been steadily climbing every year. I mean, that's great. Parents are getting more involved. They're able to help their students more. There's positives there, as long as they're not sort of the bulldozer railroad parents who are doing everything for the child. Uh, but also when we asked about who's actually influencing your decision, parents were cited as the most important influencer. They had the biggest influence in where the student ultimately enrolled. And for the first time, more students said that their parents helped them than their school counselor. Uh, that that hasn't happened before. It didn't happen during the pandemic. Um, parents' influence in the decision has increased 24%, while counselors declined 18%. We're seeing that shift. Uh, and, and part of that is there's fewer counselors. They're being pulled in more directions. They're not able to focus on the things they're most passionate about. And so this year, 21% of students said that not having access uh, to their school counselors was posing a challenge in their search. And, and that's the highest in eight years of doing the survey. Uh, even 2021, when a lot of students didn't even see their counselor in person, more of them said they had access to them, uh, which is raising big old red flags for me here. And I think we're gonna see that that has some effects, having less guidance is leading to your, your funnel, that traditional enrollment funnel becoming clogged. So in trying to think about what's kind of coming back to normal and what's kind of changing from pre-pandemic, we thought about uh, it through two lenses, first through the students. And while applying to college, we know is still challenging and stressful. We know it from a data perspective, we hear it from a qualitative perspective in surveys. It is getting easier, and that's something that we're happy about. I think we want to make sure, at, we believe at Niche, we want to have as many students have access to higher education as possible, and streamlining the application process is a way to do that. So we're seeing the application process get easier. 
And this has started with things like the Common App or App Accelerants. Test Optional has dramatically made it easier. It's just one less step for, for students to have to go through and a potential expense for them to have to, uh, to consider. And also higher GPAs uh, with this great inflation means students are considering more colleges and think they can have the ability to get into institutions they may not have otherwise with uh, the great inflation that's happening. And we also know that there's direct admissions uh, happening across the industry that we'll be hearing a little bit more about later today, but that's another way that is just making the college application process easier. And then Will also alluded to, we got a lot more comfortable to just things happening digitally. Uh, that means that you don't have to do as much in-person time. You can rely on technology to accelerate these. So the application process though, still stressful, still cumbersome, is definitely getting easier. And we feel confident in saying that, but that creates some challenges for all of you. So if you go to the next slide, it's almost an inverse relationship between what this means for students and what it means for all of you in, in the uh, enrollment offices. So traditional engagement points are dramatically changing. Uh, what Will talked a lot about the, uh, the college visits, that's a changing dynamic. Uh, there's also just a lot of different touch points or different channels that we need to work through. One that I like to highlight is Discord is, is an emerging channel that didn't exist a few years ago, but a lot of conversations and touch points are happening within those channels. There's just a lot more stealth happening and less control. There's less data. We don't have as much data points from uh, the SAT is a great example. We don't have that same data point, which is disrupting historical models, making them unreliable. We have the Supreme Court ruling that just went through that is disrupting all of this. Um, and what this ultimately means is going to make it more challenge, challenging to yield students. And that's where we're, we're using this, the funnel is clogged. It's harder to get students to ultimately uh, apply, deposit, and enroll in those schools because of all these changes that are happening. So th what this all means is it's going to be harder than ever to yield students. Uh, we have three lines here and kind of projecting out into the future. We know that uh, applications are going up. They are gonna continue to go up as, these, uh, as the process gets easier and it's going to accelerate. What this also means is students are going to be admitted to more schools. So you can see both of those lines through the class of 2020, which we, this is based on US Department of Education data um, where we stand, but we know this is gonna move forward. The one thing that can't change and it's in yellow because it's the golden rule, you cannot increase the number of enrollments. That's just a fact. So it's gonna be, while we know applications and admits are going to go up, we can't create more enrollments. That's just a fact and something that we're gonna to have to navigate around kind of in this new normal. What we can do is use data and signals on students who are actually interested to strengthen the match or motivate deposit. But we have to think differently about how to do that and what data and signals we can use in our process. And like Ryan was saying, we're getting more and more applications per student. This year in our senior survey, the full results will come out September 12th, the students saying that they applied to 10 or more colleges has increased 56% since before the pandemic. And those applying to only one, which those were the ones we loved, right? They only applied to you. They were dead set from the beginning. They love you. That's decreased 15%. Fewer students are just saying, okay, I know where I want to go. I'm going to apply there. And more students are saying, well, maybe I'll get in here or what if I don't or I can't afford it? So I'll apply over here and here and here too. And all of a sudden you have students applying to 10, 15, 20 colleges. They can still only enroll at one. That, that hasn't changed. So what does that mean? You know, twice as many students said that they were accepted at 10 or more colleges. 
and nearly half of all students said that they were accepted to five or more colleges. So that means you have a one in five shot. You got 20% shot of yielding those students. It gets worse every year because students are applying to more. They're being accepted to more. You know, there's that, well, can I afford it? Is this going to be the right fit? So they just keep looking and looking and looking. Got to be able to, to help them early on narrow down. Is this affordable? Is this the right fit before they start applying? So I think some key takeaways here. Uh, you know, it's getting easier and easier for students to get into colleges. That's creating more opportunities as well as challenges. You know, you have to think about how do we make sure, even before that application hits, that we can really get in front of students, we can build that affinity, they have more touch points on campus, they really are in love with us, we're where they want to go, and we can get that message of you're accepted, and here's going to be your financial aid very early. That's going to be so key, so they don't feel the need to keep applying just in case. Um, I think having that clear, compelling identity, being able to showcase who you are, meeting students where they are online, and not waiting until they come for a visit and not pushing those visits over and over and over again, that's going to be key to yielding. Making sure that they're able to, on their own, fall in love with you, that's that's a key piece of meeting the class of 2024, class of 2025. And then all these transformations, ultimately, it's going to be a boon for you, right? The schools that can really embrace this idea of getting in front of students, helping them fall in love, and not just saying, you need to do these steps for our processes are the ones who are really going to be uh, doing really well. They're going to have an easier time getting students through the funnel instead of increasing the top of funnel metrics and keeping the bottom the same. That's that clog we're talking about. All right, as we head into some questions here, um, just anyone who hasn't seen the research insights, I can scan this QR code. The link there as well will take you all to, to the research, the data dives. Uh, Ryan, I cut you off there a little bit. Sorry for that. So I'll let you jump in. No, I was just going to add, I think there's, I think a big thing for all of this is like the schools and colleges that embrace this are embracing the, the trends and kind of looking ahead and relying on data as much as possible. And we want to be partners in all of that, given that we have the visibility on our platform to start looking ahead at future classes. Uh, and we want to make sure that we're able to share those insights. So Will and I are very committed to continuing to look ahead and and share this as much as possible to make your lives easier. Mm -hmm. All right. If you want to use the Q&A feature, you can submit your questions in there. I know we have a few. I'll welcome Joni back to, uh, to help moderate those. All right. Great. Great session. Thank you. So just a couple of questions so far. So everyone, please feel free to add more as you have them. First question is around the data. So uh, the data around niche student data. So specifically, Karen wanted to confirm whether the data is for students looking at four-year schools. Yeah, Karen, so this is both four-year and two-year. This is public, private, for-profit, everything. When we get into some of the research results, uh, you're able to filter down by what type of school. But Ryan, I'll let you speak more to the platform level. Yeah, platform data is the same. We have the ability to segment by two and four year and in interest. We do know that we see an overlap between students considering both four and uh, two year colleges. It's not super common, but it definitely uh, it definitely occurs. So we we want to make sure that when we're looking at this to begin holistically, we're casting a wide net, and then we can drill down, like Will said. Great, thank you. 
We have one question specifically on DA, direct admissions. Um, the question is, how does direct admissions work for schools that require portfolios or some other artistic component to the application? And this question came from Jason. Yeah. Brian, you're- oh, Sorry, this is actually yeah. not this question. Oh, oh not, yeah. So it, it depends. I would say we there's direct admissions and then there's additional supplemental information that we can uh, partner with. It depends on what's being required. Um, so we haven't, I don't believe we've worked with any colleges that have had this, um, but it's something that we're considering moving forward and, and to be able to meet those needs of additional portfolios for specific programs. It's not uncommon for people to say, well, we need these additional things, but um, yeah, that'd be a little a little different situation. Great. Uh, this next question is from Jason. Any advice on dealing with the changes to the FAFSA this year, uh, since it meant we were all going to be sending financial aid awards one or two months later than in the past? Oh, that's going to be fun, isn't it? Uh, I mean, that this is where you'll know the initial academic scholarship upfront. Having an accurate net price calculator can help too, but just throughout the process, being very upfront with students as sophomores, as juniors, you know, based on sort of these income bands, here's what sort of need-based aid in addition to your, um, your merit-based aid, your other internal scholarships, here's what you might expect. Yeah, it is going to, to hurt things a little for sure. Uh, I think the one nice thing, if there is anything nice there, uh, is that it is everybody across the board. So it's not like you're sending out a little bit later, but this other college is sending sooner. You know, I think it just takes a lot of being very upfront throughout the process, early conflows, early touch points, being realistic about financial aid and affordability. Yeah. Next question is from Joe. So parents were listed as the most important influencer in the decision. Last year, that was a college web, college's website. Is this a change uh, in the newest data? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yep. So this, and it's a slightly different question too. So that was the, the channels and the overall what. This is looking at the people. So parents are the most important person in that decision. Uh, but yeah, absolutely, Joe. Good, good eyesight there, uh, and and that and the full results in September twelfth. Um, you'll see those differences. Websites are still very important, uh, but in terms of the individuals who make a difference, that's where parents have, have passed school counselors. They passed their friends. Um, this year, we even saw. Um, I'll give you guys a little bit more of a sneak peek here. Uh, we we saw online reviews pass their friends as well. Like people they don't know have more influence than their own friends now, uh, which I think is telling. I think students are having more and more trust in a lot of reviews. Uh, they trust what current students are experiencing, and and that makes a difference. Okay. A question from Patty next. So you mentioned that you have an interest in meeting students where they are, specifically with interest in, in Discord. So the question is, has Niche done much with Discord yet? And if so, what does that community management model look like? Well, do you want to take it? Uh, I know we have. Um, I need to talk to, to Chelsea and Kayla on this exactly. I don't know if you have more, but we have a, a Discord channel that students join. They engage. They're able to ask questions there in that space. 
Uh, I believe we use our student ambassadors in there as well. But Ryan, do you have any more details there? That's that's that covered. It. I know it was a, we we saw it as an emerging trend, and we wanted to be able to, like we said, meet students where they are and kind of where they're having these discussions. We also use it as a channel just to get feedback and understand kind of what students are going through and feeling as well. It's moderated both by our own internal employees on the one of the on our brand marketing team, as well as um, we use leverage our student ambassadors to, uh, as well. Definitely a very active channel, a new and active channel. That's exciting to check out if you haven't. So Ruben asked, how do some of these trends differ between two and four year institutions? I have some of the 2023 data top of mind, but I'd have to, to pull some more of that, Ruben, to get to get more granular. I know those who consider two-year colleges tend to start the process later. It's pushed more to the right, so push more to the spring of their senior year. Uh, if we're talking about uh, the in terms of the timeline, uh, in terms of number of applications, number of acceptances, they tend to look at fewer, um, so not casting such a wide net. Um, of students who were, and this is me trying to go from memory, so I hope I'm, I'm getting everything right here. Um, of those who had, were choosing to enroll at a two-year college, it was typically uh, one that was less expensive than their other options. And, and it was also, they were looking at fewer options in general. I'd have to, I'd have to go back and, and look at the data to get more granular than that. I'm in a similar boat on my end, but I, I think it's it's what Will said, it reflects the same way when we're looking at some of those trends. Students considering two-year colleges tend to be later in the cycle as well and considering less. Um, so that that's the general trend, but that's something that we can dive into a little bit more and share back in, um, sh share back in the future. And then jumping back to the Discord topic, uh, a question came in, should institutions have a team member in admissions on Discord to see conversations that may help them better engage with prospects? It's a great question. I would say yes, uh, and whether it's someone in the admissions office or one of your tour guides or someone like that that is more of a student voice, it's going to be what's best for you. I know that uh, we have several partners that have really leaned in there and there's a lightweight way to you leverage that platform where students are having these conversations and engage with them. So I would I would encourage it. Uh, and it's also just be on top of what's next. These are these are platform and trends that are always changing. Discord is one that's being used right now, but I'm confident there will be other ones in the future. Um, so kind of staying on top of those and leveraging, at, getting feedback from uh, prospective students or your your tour guides to understand what are those new platforms is a way to stay on top of it too. Yeah, and, and we have to, uh, Discord isn't quite like a Twitter or Facebook or anything like that. You set up the channel. So if you have one set for prospective students or for undergrads in the College of Business, you know, things like that, you would create the channel and then you'd want to have some ambassadors, some staff in there to help with questions, uh, help with moderation, and then invite students to join that. So I, I really recommend don't just set up the sandbox and walk away uh, because you never know what might fall in. Uh, so that's that's a, a very good thing to do there. One note from uh, from the audience just regarding the question about portfolios and direct admission. So a note that art schools can use could use the AICAD portfolio submission feature. And if a student had a portfolio rating, you could send an offer. So just a note there. And 
I believe that those towards the end of the questions, there's one off topic question. Um, somebody would like to know how Will's puppy is. Uh, he is doing great. He is uh, about five months old now, we believe, uh, for, for the audience not uh, in, in there. He's luckily sleeping right now, but uh, we we rescued a what we believe is a mini Labradoodle uh, who's about five months old uh, named Mr. Lucky Waffles Esquire. Uh, I, I like to say they got his undergrad at, at Wooford uh, and then went to Pupperdine Law School to get his his law degree. So I love it. That's a good way to end, huh? With some some bad puns. Right. 